The Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, Episode 33. In the last episode of the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, we looked at the book Maui Bound, published in 1991, with amazing color photographs from over 30 different photographers and texts provided by Tom Stevens. This book takes you on a journey of the wonders of Maui. From the top of the 10,000-foot Haleakala Crater to the West Maui Mountains and down to the beaches and under the ocean, these pictures explore why Maui is known to be a special place. The author claims that there's so much to do in Maui that no one should complain about Polynesian paralysis, but the relaxed lifestyle and breathtaking beauty of the island make it hard to resist. Today we look at the book Surfinary, a dictionary of surfing terms and surf speak, compiled and edited by Trevor Crawley, published in 1991. This book contains over 350 pages of surfing terms and additional information about the sport and lifestyle of surfing. You might wonder why the world needs an entire book on surfing terms. On page 5, the author explains, Just as Eskimos have 52 different terms to describe the various types of snow, and desert nomads in the Sahara have numerous terms for all types of sand, Surfers have countless words for waves, from micro to gnarlacious to sucky to burgery. A good rule of thumb for the true surf linguist is that any adjective used to describe your breakfast food can also be used to describe a wave. Crunchy, crispy, hearty, tasty, sweet, unreal, and so on. True surfers realize how spiritually wealthy the ocean, waves, and they, the riders of oceans and waves, really are. The surfer's life is attractive to much of the world because it embodies the true unbridled, raw, uncontrollable lust for life that so many people who live only to make money have become numb to. It's exactly this joyous youthfulness that keeps surfers both young and old, in the water and near the ocean. Trevor Coconut Crawley is a native California surfer with a degree in cultural geology with an emphasis in tropical rainforest ecology and Pacific Islander marine resources conservation from the University of California, Berkeley. Trevor is an all-American swimmer, a scuba diving and surf instructor, windsurfing and lifeguard instructor, and an underwater video cameraman. He has traveled to more than 65 countries, sailed through the South Pacific on a 39-foot sloop, and co-led international educational trips to Mexico, Belize, Costa Rica, Guatemala, Japan, Peru, the Philippines, and Puerto Rico. Trevor is considered by many to be the world's leading authority on surf slang, and his book Surfinary, with over 3,000 surfing terms, demonstrates that. What exactly is surfing? On page 7, the author explains the general concept as, Surfing is a thrilling water sport for persons of all ages that has been practiced for centuries. The act itself involves riding across the face of a wave towards the shore while standing on a special board called a surfboard. Modern surfboards are made of foam and fiberglass and come in various shapes and sizes, from short boards to long boards and everything in between. Surfing also includes body surfing without a board, belly boarding, knee boarding, 
paddle boarding, ocean canoes, and modern foil and kite surfing. On page 8, the author notes that surfers feel a special connection to the ocean environment because they are in tune with the rhythms of the sea. It's no wonder humans feel so much attraction to our mother ocean when 98% of our bodily fluids are made up of salt water. The amazing truth is that the sound of the waves crashing and receding is a direct reproduction of the sound of the blood flow heard by a baby in its mother's womb. This rhythm creates the feeling of tranquility for all of us, as it does for the unborn child. On page 11, the author gives a brief history of surfing. He notes that marine animals such as dolphins and sea lions were perhaps the original surfers, using waves to propel themselves forward. Surfing was most likely practiced in different forms since humans started swimming in the ocean. Surfing was a central part of the Polynesian culture, and when Captain James Cook and his crew of the Endeavor arrived in the South Pacific and the Hawaiian Islands in the 1700s, they saw local people using wooden boards or small boats to surf the waves. The author notes on page 11 that surfing was officially introduced to California in 1907 when George Freeth, an Irish-Hawaiian surfer, put on a surfing expedition in Southern California. At first, surfing attracted only a limited following in California, one reason being that early surfboards were 14 to 18 feet long and made of a solid piece of redwood plank, so they weighed up to 150 pounds. In 1928, Tom Blake built a hollow surfboard, which reduced the weight by almost half. And later, in 1935, he added a fin, or skeg, to the bottom rear of the surfboard, which gave the rider much more control over the surfboard. Later, Australian Simon Anderson would add two more fins for a total of three skegs, called the thruster, which is the most common setup on many surfboards. Modern surfboards, which are about six feet long and weigh about 10 pounds are made of lightweight balsa wood or polyurethane foam would later change the sport forever. Wetsuits or snug-fitting neoprene rubber suits to keep warm were another innovation and made surfing a year-round sport in Southern California and other parts of the world. In the 1960s, movies such as Gidget or Endless Summer and songs by the Beach Boys fueled the surfing dream of landlocked people who had never seen the ocean and turned surfing into a national craze that touched the world. The author notes that Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys probably said it best in 1962 with the line, Catch a wave and you're sitting on top of the world. Surfing embodies a multitude of senses and sensations, including the sound of the waves crashing, the thrill of watching someone else get a hot ride, the intoxicating smell of surf wax, neoprene wetsuits, and fiberglass surfboards in a surf shop, and the euphoric feeling of tapping the pure source of an ocean wave. On a side note, Thomas Farber, the author of the book Who Wrote the Book of Love, which we reviewed in episode 19 of the Polynesian Paralysis podcast, also wrote the foreword for the second edition of Surfinary. Mr. Farber notes that the vernacular of surfers is based on tribal experience in the ocean, collective days, past and present, beyond counting. This and a hunger for a joy derived from both mastery and submission to the wilderness just offshore. Mr. Farber believes that surfinary is, 
a book for those who love water and a book for those who love words. Ward Smith, one of the founders of the Surfers Environmental Alliance, says that Surfinary is much more than a dictionary. It's a walk down memory lane of surfing, a time machine that will transport you anywhere in the history of surfing. You can't help but learn something new and entertaining on every page. And there are a lot of pages. Surfinary contains more than 350 pages of information about surfing. Why are people so fascinated by surf speak? The sun, sand, and surf combine to form a wonderful fantasy of relaxed pace and gentle sensuality that has captivated people for ages. On page 194, between polyester resin and polystyrene, the author includes the term Polynesian paralysis. His definition of Polynesian paralysis is a tropical malaise to which surfers are particularly susceptible. An attack of Polynesian paralysis can mean almost total incapacitation for up to a week. Apart from surfing four to six hours a day, the victim lies motionless on the hotel room floor watching television and drinking six packs of beer. Speech, thought, or personal hygiene are out of the question until the fever passes. Of course, Polynesian paralysis is not a disease and usually lasts only a few minutes, but the effects can last much longer and cause you to be kinder to both yourself and others. Polynesian paralysis does not cause a fever or involve drinking alcohol, but it can cause you to relax and enjoy life. Perhaps the definition of Polynesian paralysis given in Surfinary applies only to surfers. There is no doubt that surfers feel a close connection to the ocean waves and develop a great appreciation of nature, which could lead to Polynesian paralysis. On page 139, there's also the term island time, which is defined as the pace of the tropics. Forget about being in a hurry. Foreigners learn patience in the tropics, same as Hawaiian time. Island time, or Hawaiian time, is closely tied to Polynesian paralysis. Being able to slow down, relax, enjoy life, and live life more slowly allows you to spend more time in the present moment and appreciate life. Sometimes it feels that life is short, so you should hurry to do all you can as fast as you can. But surfing teaches you patience, waiting for the right wave, and enjoying the ride. It's not how many waves you ride or how big of a wave you ride. It's about enjoying your ride, enjoying your unique journey each moment of every day. For more information about Polynesian paralysis, please visit our website at rxaloha.com. In the next episode of the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, we head back to the South Pacific and the islands of Samoa. We will review a travel guide written by Deanna Sweeney and published in 1994 by The Lonely Planet. Until then, we hope that you will take time each day to be still, relax, appreciate nature, and enjoy life. Enjoy Polynesian Paralysis, the sensible approach to mindfulness. <laughs>